Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, I just want to thank you this morning. Um, Excited about the possibilities that we'll see in your word. I thank you, Father God, because I'm anointed to teach your word. I thank you because your people are anointed to receive. Our faith is built up and we grow into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. I pray this morning that there will not just be words, but impartation of the spirit of faith. That understanding is granted. You grant us utterance and boldness. That the eyes of understanding is enlightened. That we see and know the mystery of your will. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So I'll talk on the lifestyle of faith, and um, I-, I want us to go to Mark eleven twenty three. Uh, but I'll start from the background of that story. So I'm just going to build on what we have heard during the faith conference, but in a more detailed manner. So let's go to Mark chapter 11. Now, the story about the fig tree is found in two accounts of scriptures, and this is very important. The story about the fig tree is found in two accounts of scriptures. It is found in um, Matthew 21. Now, it's found in Matthew 21, but the Matthew 21 account is not very detailed. Okay? It's not very detailed. In fact, in the Matthew account, you find that the scripture says immediately the, the tree dried up. So we don't have a very detailed account in the Matthew account of this um, story of the fig tree. But the Mark account is more detailed. So I'd like us to use the Mark account. Mark chapter 11. Then I want to give you the background to this because there are two ways to interpret scripture. There are two ways to interpret scripture. There is the uh, literal interpretation which is what we're going to do in the faith series and there is the symbolic or figurative translation. <laughs> there is a symbolic and the figurative translation. The symbolic translation of this Mark eleven twenty three is that the fig tree represented Israel. That because at this point, if you read Mark chapter ten, chapter eleven, uh, I'll just show you something here now. If you if you if you go to Mark chapter eleven verse one, the Bible says, "Now when they drew drew near Jerusalem to Bethany and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples." This was almost towards the end of Jesus' ministry. He was going towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Towards the end of his ministry. And he was here prophetically speaking about Israel. That the fruits of righteousness were demanded from Israel. But they had religion and they did not have fruits. And that no one was going to eat fruit from them anymore. Meaning that no one was ever going to partake of righteousness by the law anymore. So that is the significant or the symbolic interpretation of Jesus speaking to the fig tree. Okay? But we're taking that apart because that's not what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with it in the practical terms. That means in the literal term of Jesus approaching and speaking to the tree. So, that's just by the side. Now, if you go to Mark chapter 11, let's go to verse... Mark chapter 11 verse 1 down to uh, verse 12... Verse 11 was when what you call the triumphant entry. You just entered into uh, 
Jerusalem. Okay. So verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. He was hungry. Now, it's important, like I always say here, that you pay attention to scriptures. Why did the scripture say Jesus was hungry? Because what is about to happen, or what is about to transpire in terms of speaking to the fig tree, people could look at it and say, well, he did that because he was the son of God. Or he did that because he was God. So, in saying Jesus was hungry, the scripture is careful to tell us about the humanity of Jesus. That's important, because if you don't understand this, you get to Mark eleven twenty three. you say, well, that was possible for Jesus, because he is Jesus. No. Many times in scripture, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man, and the Son of God. Now, when you study scriptures, it's important to pay attention to how Jesus is referred to especially. Uh, if you observe when the, um, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, were approaching Jesus for miracles, they always referred to him as son of David, which was his Jewish genealogy. That was his humanity. So we find in the person of Jesus the fullness of God and also the fullness of the human life. That's why the scripture says that he was a partaker of flesh and blood. Alright, so when he says Jesus was hungry, he was literal, he was hungry. So it tells us about the humanity of Jesus. Okay, next verse. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see. Now, it's important that you understand that we're dealing with the humanity of Jesus. That's why I'm talking about the literal inter- interpretation of Mark 11. If Jesus was functioning in this realm as a God, the fullness of the Godhead, he would not need to go through the tree to see if he had fruits. Okay. Follow me now. Follow me. (laughs) Do you understand that? Just follow me gradually. You you understand that. It might look like unnecessary details, but it will make sense. Just follow me. Trust me. Right? He wouldn't go close to the tree. He would just know from afar that this tree does not have fruit. So the fact that he went perhaps to see means that he took the journey there. So he was operating in this place in his humanity. So we find out that Jesus was hungry. He needed something to eat. Okay? Now, he, when he saw the fig tree, he went perhaps if he would see fruit. When you read the scripture, you pay attention to details. If he will find something on it. When he came to it, meaning, and seeing from a fire fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, when he came to it, meaning what? Okay, meaning he came to it, right? Okay, when he came to it, meaning he took the step to get to the tree. So that means from afar, he couldn't really know if the tree had Fruits. Humanity of Jesus. So he had to walk close to the tree. He came to it. Meaning he approached the tree. Is that okay? He found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. Now this is interesting. Because the scripture says it's not the season for, for, for figs. So why would Jesus go to meet a tree when it was not the season? Different translations will solve this problem. So we read the Amplified Version. So Mark 11, if you read the Amplified Version, verse 13, it it tells us something. And seeing in the distance of fig, 
tree covered with leaves, he went to see if he could find any fruit on it. Amplified bracket. For in the fig tree, the fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. So it tells us that for a fig tree, if there are leaves, then the tendency is that it will have fruits. So if you read the Amplified Version, it solves this problem. It solves the problem of Jesus expecting from the tree what's not supposed to give. Now I thought of something, that the fruit of the fig tree generally appears before the leaves. And because the fruit is green, it blends in it with the leaves right, right up until it's almost ripe. Okay, now, if you um, take time to look at um, figs, they talked about the, like two, three different seasons that figs normally bring forth um, tree, uh, bring forth fruits. There's what you call the early fruit of the fig tree. The early fruit of the fig tree. Now, like I said, when you are interpreting scriptures, you use Bible to interpret it. So let's go to uh, let's go to three three verses of scripture. No, Hosea chapter nine, verse 10, to, ten and sixteen. Hosea chapter nine, verse ten and sixteen. Hosea chapter nine, verse ten and sixteen. If you can put it up there, it will be easier. Hosea nine, ten and sixteen. It says, "When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your fathers." It was like seeing the early fruit on the fig tree. It was like seeing the early fruit on what? On the fig tree. Or the first fruits on the fig tree. In its first season. So fig trees produced in season. And if the leaves were covered, it means that it was having those first fruits. Not the main one, the first one. So sometimes theologians will say, oh, that was not the main season. So you can find in scripture saying that he was asking for uh, fruit when it was not the season. Okay. Another scripture. But if you go to verse 16, I was telling you about the prophetic interpretation of this. Verse 16 says, Ephraim is blighted, their root is withered, they yield no fruit. was referring to this same scenario. Micah chapter 7 verse 1 to 4. You will see none of the early figs that I crave. Micah chapter 7, verse 1 to 4. Just write it down. Just Micah 7, 1 to 4. You see when it says, What misery is mine? I'm like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat. None of the early figs that I crave. None of the early figs that I crave. So you see that again about the early figs. Uh, Nahum chapter 3 verse 12 Nahum 3 12 All your fortresses are like fig trees With their first ripe fruits All Your fortresses are like Fig trees with their first Ripe fruits So it means that it wasn't like Jesus was expecting from them What it couldn't produce It just meant that the tree Was not yielding What it should yield so why did I go through all these things? To tell you that what the spirit of faith does is to place a demand on things that are not yielding in your life to make the necessary adjustments. When you know that this is the season for this, you don't take no for an answer. That's what the spirit of faith does. So we found out that Jesus got close to this tree. So let's read on. So when he came to Jerusalem... Uh, no, verse 14 In response 
Now this is very interesting. In response, Jesus said to it, So, Jesus, we're looking at the literal translation now, Jesus comes to the fig tree expecting fruits. And then there was no fruits. And he says, in response, he said to it. Now, now, if you are not talking to me, I cannot say in response. Am I right? Let's look at this together now, right? Can, if you are not talking to me, can I say in response to you? Hello? Am I right? Come on. Yeah. So if I say in response, it means that there is a conversation going on. If I say in response, it means there's a conversation going on, right? I'm responding. Some translation says, and Jesus answered it. If Jesus answered it, it means that something was going on. So that means the fig tree, by not producing fruit, was passing a message to Jesus. Isn't that what happens to us? When we get back home and we can't pay our rent, you know that situation is passing a message to us. What message is the situation telling us? Hello? What is it telling us? You're poor, you never get out of this. What about when our body starts giving us some, some symptoms or sicknesses? What's it telling us? That's message going on. Every situation of your life is speaking to you. Everything you're going through is passing a message to you. So Jesus had to answer it. Now, carefully observe this. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Please pay attention to the words Jesus used. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, nothing in the scripture was just put there to complete the number of pages. If the disciples of Jesus heard it, that means Jesus didn't murmur it. Are you better? That means Jesus didn't go through the tr- to the tree and then there was no fruit and Jesus just did. Jesus didn't do that. He said it loud. That means faith words must be spoken out. Hey, come on, we're talking about the lifestyle of faith. That means sometimes when the circumstance comes uh, against you, you don't say, I don't know if I say this, what people will think. No. If in the midst of your work environment, the enemy puts words in your mouth, you can say, in the name of Jesus, I refuse that. I'll leave and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And everybody say, Auntie, what's happening? Say, no, just speaking the word. There were 12 disciples, 12 men heard it, so it couldn't have been a whisper. You know, some people say they have the spirit of faith, but they are always ashamed to make proclamations. I told you the story one time. We had a meeting in school. I was in university then. And, uh, you know, sometimes pastors always share the testimonies of the miracles that happened in their life and ministry, which is very good. But you don't share the, the ones that didn't happen, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. my dad always says share both. So, I'll tell you one of the miracles that didn't happen in my life. And uh, this, this guy was crippled and all that. So, we had this powerful Holy Ghost meeting. So myself and my friends we say, well, let's go pray for the guy. We can raise, we can raise him up and he will walk. You know, we're full of faith and the Holy Ghost. But we said, no, what about if he doesn't work? They are going to laugh at us. We said, okay, we know what we'll do. So we carried him to a corner. <laughs> you know, and prayed for him, prayed and he didn't work. So we just carried him back. And I'm telling you now, no one knows. 
What is that faith? That's not faith. That's not faith. <laughs> faith does not build the plan B. We already know if it doesn't work, we'll quickly squeeze him back. You know, nobody knows now that we prayed for a creeper and it never worked. I'm just telling you now. So my ego was intact, right? Like, oh, the man of God. <laughs> so Jesus did not just look at the tree and say, do it for me again. No, Jesus said it loud. Faith words must be proclaimed with boldness. And the disciples heard it. Now, let's read on. So he came, then they came to Jerusalem. So he began to drive out people that were selling and buying, saying, my, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. And he went on and went on. Verse 20. Now, like I said, the Matthew account of this says immediately, but this is the more detailed account. Verse 20. Now in the morning. So that means now it's the second day, right? It's the second day after this event. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw. Now I want you to observe the word saw. The word saw there means they could now see with their optical eyes. They could see with their natural eyes now that something had happened to the fig tree. The question I want to ask you is this. You know, I'm talking about the faith life, so I'll drop in things here and there. When the when Jesus said that to the tree, when did the miracle take place? Was it the next day or immediately? Immediately. How do we know it's immediately? We find that from Matthew's account, Matthew 21. But they did not see the results immediately. Okay? So faith means that I take hold of something. But then the manifestation might not be that immediate. The observation might not be that immediate. So you can say, I received my healing, but you're still feeling cold. That's where the battle of faith is now. So there's something I observe here about Jesus. It says, They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look now. When you're reading scriptures, pay attention to details. Where's the fig tree? Okay. So they caused the fig tree. So Jesus says, no man, this actually looks like a fig tree, right? <laughs> no, won't say this to this. So, <laughs> so Jesus looks at the fig tree and says, no man will ever eat fruit from you again. So the next day, they're walking and Peter remembering. I think that they were looking out for that tree. Right? Like, <laughs> this Jesus can't talk. Ah! And so they're looking. So he says, now pay attention to this. He says, Rabbi, look. Verse 22. Rabbi, look. Meaning that Jesus was not looking to see if what he said will come to pass. Oh, you need to get that. That means when Jesus spoke, it was a done deal. But the disciples were the ones looking. That means when I get into the spirit of faith, I don't observe lying vanities anymore, if not I forsake my own mercy. Right? So I say, Father, thank you. Because we're starting, we're, we're, we're doing two services every Sunday morning at the KDCC. And I come and I ask Mike, how many were we today? 24. Huh, these people. Hey, 
You don't want to serve God. What am I doing? What am I doing? I'm looking. Where am I in faith? When I come and say, how many were in church today? Fifteen. Okay, it's fine. Good. Doesn't affect the way I preach. Doesn't affect my countenance. Do you know what is going to happen? After a while, the attendance is going to rise up to the level of my faith. I'll, I'll, I'll teach on Sunday on doubt. Doubt is as powerful as faith. Doubt will undo your faith. You know what undo is in computer, right? What's undo? It returns it back to where it was. So you're believing for something. You're believing for something. Doubt kick. Doubt comes in. Undo. You're back to square one. I said this faith thing doesn't work. No, there's nothing like faith that doesn't work. If it is faith, it will work. So he says, Rabbi, look. So he had to call Peter. Had to call Jesus' attention to it because Jesus knew it was done. When words were spoken, it was a done deal. Now look at this. Rabbi, look. The fig tree. And in fact, when I was preparing this message, this place was so strong in my spirit, I had to preach it to myself first. Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Please, please, please. If you were sleeping before, it's fine. Wake up now. Pay attention to this. The fig tree which you cursed. Question. Did Jesus say to the fig tree, I curse you? No. He just said words. And what were those words? No man will eat fruits from you anymore. He just placed a limitation on the production of the fig tree. And Peter said that was a curse. Do you know why a lot of people don't go further in life? With their mouth, they place limitations on their life. I can't do this. I can't achieve this. I can't have this. And Peter says, that's a curse right there. Any statement that places a limit on your productivity is actually almost literally placing a curse on yourself. You have to retrain your mind now. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, churches on this island don't do this. What are we doing? What are we doing there? We're actually placing... What's a curse? A curse is a limitation. And Peter called it a curse. And Jesus did not look at the tree and say, I curse you. No, he just said words. No man will eat fruit from you anymore. And Peter said, hey, master, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. Meaning that the words that places limits on our abilities actually are curse words. Curse words are not just, you know, the regular curse words. Everything that places a limit on the ability of God on our lives are actually curse words. And something I want you to observe, because that's, the, you know, the mistake is when people got a hold of the first message, because the human nature is usually covetous. You know, they say, name it and claim it. You know, people started going to people's cars. I name, I claim, I name, I claim. You know, that's, it's presumption. Jesus did not go to the tree and say, well, I want to have faith to cause this tree. I want to have faith to cause this tree. He didn't do that. He just said words. Meaning that, you see, as you feed on the word of God and as you grow your faith, your words will become very impactful. I had to retrain myself. I had to retrain myself. Even sending English words not to use them. 
In the early days of our faith work, myself and my wife, we had to hold ourselves accountable. I would say something and my wife would say, you would have what you say. And I quickly repent. We had to hold ourselves accountable. Because we all grew up where words didn't matter. You just said whatever you wanted to say. Fool, goat, cow, camel. You know. <laughs> and then you just said words. Words are important. Words are powerful. So sometimes we feel, oh, I'm having faith for this money. I'm having faith for this money. We always see faith as a tool to get something. But faith is a lifestyle. So the guy is having faith for that money, but he's talking all the trash he can talk in the house. Talking all the trash he can talk with his co-workers. Talking all the trash he can talk with anybody. Your mouth cannot produce bitter and sweet water at the same time. If you want your faith to always work, you have to watch your mouth. You have to watch your mouth. I, 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 let me pause there to show you a scripture. I pause there to show you a scripture. Malachi chapter 3. Don't worry, it's not about tight. Please. I guess so scared. We're going to go to Malachi now. People are afraid. Devora is going to kill you. It's not about tight, but go to Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> we'll learn something from there. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. I want to show you something here. Please note this down. For a child of God, there is no casual conversation. Malachi chapter 3, let's read from verse, verse 15. Or let's read from verse 13. Malachi chapter 3 from verse 13. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Look at this. Please, I want everyone to follow this. You can, you can look up if you don't. Are you still in Mark, guys? Malachi. Am I not pronouncing it well? Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> look for it. Find it somewhere. Verse 13, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is useless to serve God. Hey, come on. How many times have these things come out of our mouths? I don't know why I'm going to church. I don't know why I'm even serving God. And God says, hey, you're speaking against me. Harsh words. Look at this. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They will tempt God and go free. You look at people who are not serving God. They're not serving God so much. But it looks like their life is blessed. And it's like saying, oh. <laughs> Don't even want to say that. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Listen. Don't ever forget this passage. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Who were they talking to? Hey, hey, hey. Come on, church. Who were they talking to? One another. Speaking to themselves, husband and wives. And the Lord listened and heard them. Hey, God, where are you talking to you? I was talking to my sister. God, God listens. Do you know that this is the number one undoing of most people's faith? Not what they say in church, what they say to one another. Right? In the office, when the story is so sweet, you have forgotten yourself. You cut the country in two, cut the president in two, cut the pastor in two, cut the church in two, cut everybody. And when you go back home, God will believe in you. Ooh, I know you will never fail. The one who have never failed, uh, Joshua, will never fail me. The one who have never failed, Jacob, shut up. God, just listen to your conversation. Faith is not something we use to get something from God. Faith is a lifestyle of the believer. And I'll tell you this. As you build your faith, your casual conversation will produce results. You know what that means? Your wife will be traveling. Your wife will just be traveling. Oh, I'm going somewhere. You say, oh, it is well with you. That it is well with you. We prevent multiple accidents. Just faith words. Just faith words. You look at your son and say, God bless you. That has released an impartation upon him. 
Your normal words will be so full of faith. Like I said, Jesus was teaching us something. He didn't go to that tree and say, hold your hands together. Peter, are you holding Andrew? Hold him, hold him tight. We are going to cross this free tree. <laughs> no, or bring the anointing over here. Let's go. No, no, no. Jesus just said words. No man will eat food from you. And what? Just casual conversation. Boom, mighty results. You know our words are not producing faith. Because it's doubt, faith, doubt, faith, doubt, faith, doubt, faith. The work of faith. Man, you don't outgrow it. You stay in faith. I mean, the times we were building, <laughs> the times we were building was, I mean, one of the most powerful faith experiences for me as a pastor. You know, sometimes we need to pay the contractors, money is not there, we pushed everything out in our account. I'll just look and maybe I'll just, something will come up and I will make a suggestion, let's do it this way. And I'll go back to the place of prayer and I'll just pray and God will say, hey, 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 that's not faith right there. And I'll just call out, a leader in charge of the building and say, hey, you know, I said this, but don't worry about it. Let's trust God for it. You know what God just did? In his mercy, he just corrected me to stay in the faith path. Yeah. Faith does not have a plan B. Jesus did not look at it and say, you know what? If this, Peter, did you buy acid where we're coming from, from, from Bethany? Say yes, I have. He said, buy two cups. In case this fig tree does not wither, we will make sure it withers. We'll pour acid on it. Jesus didn't do that. Can I tell you something? You know, most of us listening to me this morning, if God does not come through for you, you can still solve that problem. You have the answer. You have who to call. You have where to take loan from. Hey, I mean, when we were building, there was a point we considered loan, right? There was a point we considered a loan. Because we needed to pay some people millions. And we didn't have the money. And I'm not going to stand here and raise the money. So I called our bank manager. I said, hey, can you... I mean, I know we will be able to pay over time. Like with our monthly income, we will be able to pay over time. And I called the bank manager. Could you give us a loan to, to tidy up this? And he said, okay, well, on Monday, come do the papers. I went to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord said, since when did you start talking about loan? Like, Lord, I'm sorry. So I don't do loans. I say, hey, you're stepping out of faith right there. So I called back. I said, no, we're not doing loans. So I'm not immune from times of faithlessness. You think when I stand here and say, we're going to have air condition for the, uh, air conditioner for the children church. Then you think when I go home, I just cross my leg, knowing that you are going to give month end. No, I don't, I won't do that. It'll be risky. Cause you know what? That same money, your family needs it, your friends needs it, your co-workers needs it, your housing project needs it. I have to believe God <laughs> to speak to you, to do the right thing. So I have to live by faith. You have to live by faith. What I'm trying to say is this. We cannot be having faithless conversations and expect our faith to produce in the moment when we need it. Oh, this town, if you don't know anybody, you can't have a job. Right? Don't say yes. It's not, it's not true. And then the next day, Sir, I put my application. I'm trusting God. No, you just said if you don't know anybody. It's true, sir. In a way, in a way, if you look at it in a way, it's true. No, 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 no. There's one way to look at things from God's perspective. Let me tell you this. Please. This is both a word lesson and fatherly lesson. My father told me this. He said, listen, in this life, always live depending on God and what God cannot give to you. Just let it be. Don't go about life feeling that you always need to know someone to get things in your life. That alone will make you perpetually a slave to people. If God is your source, establish it and go to, to rest. Are you following what I'm saying? Look at this. And God heard it. 
So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. Praise God. Let's go out to Mark 11. Come with me. Are you learning something this morning? Is it helping your faith? Yeah, it should help your faith. So, Mark 11, verse 21, And Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cast has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Now, this is very, very, very technical. You follow me now. The correct translation of that place is not have faith in God. It's have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Now, this is where I want to pause and get to this other side. Jesus told them have the God kind of faith because at that time they were not born again. They had not received the Lord because Jesus had not died and resurrected. There is no salvation without the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Now hold it here. In this dispensation, you do not tell a believer to have the God kind of faith. When you got born again, you already with your salvation experience have the God kind of faith. I'll come back again. Jesus was telling them at this point, have the God kind of faith. Meaning that they didn't have it. But if Jesus were to speak to us today, he will not say, brother Matthew, have the God kind of faith. Why? Because when you got born again, a measure of faith was given to you, which was the God kind. I'll say it again. Jesus told them, have the God kind of faith. Meaning they didn't have it. But right now, you cannot pray to have the God kind of faith, except you're not born again. When you get born again, the faith of God is already in your spirit. All you need to do is to what? Use it. Let's look at scriptures. Um, Where do we start from now? Romans chapter 12 verse 3. The reason, I, the reason I'm emphasizing this is that you see believers today who say, Oh, I don't have faith. Please pray for me to have faith. No. No. You have faith. There's faith on your inside already. If you're born again, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That spirit is the spirit of faith. The Holy Ghost is on your inside. He's the Holy Spirit of faith. Are you following what I'm saying? When you pray in tongues, what are you using to pray in tongues? Faith. Am I right? Yeah, you're praying in tongues by faith. When you receive the Lord Jesus into your life, what did you get then? You got Him and you got faith. So right now, there is no believer without faith. There are only believers who are not using their faith or haven't been trained to use their faith. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone, somebody say everyone, everyone who is among you, or Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one, what? A measure of faith. So everyone has the measure of faith. Can you say, I have the God kind of faith? Oh, say one more time. Say, I have the God kind of faith. Say one more time. Say, I have the God kind of faith. So don't say, Pastor, pray for me. I need faith. No, you don't need faith. You have faith. What do you need to do? You use it. I'll tell you a very funny story. If you train your children this way, uh, they will go through life very easily. My, my, my little girl, Zara, she sucks her mouth. We've tried all, we can't stop her. 
So I, so she came to me the other day. I prayed for her. I said, in the name of Jesus, you're going to stop sucking. And so after I watched, I started sucking again. So she came and said, I can't stop sucking. I said, no, you can't. God is going to help you stop sucking. So I said, say in the name of Jesus. So he repeated a, a confession after me. I said, now when you receive something from God, what do you do? She says, I rejoice. I said, well, let's rejoice. So we started running around the parlor, <laughs> running around the parlor rejoicing before the Lord. And then after a while, she, she started sucking again. So she came to me. She wanted to say, I can't stop sucking, but she knows that if she says, I can't stop, then we're going to run around again. So she says, I can't stop sucking. I said, well, you keep your confession of faith. You keep your confession of faith. Praise God. Just train them. Train them. If your child asks you, oh, daddy, I need this. Train them. Well, let's ask the Lord. You know what you're doing? You're just training them to exercise their faith. Give them tools. Give them things to believe for. Oh, you need a wristwatch? Start asking God for it. It might take them one year. Somebody somewhere will bring that exact same wristwatch to them. What are you doing? Training them in faith. Training them in faith. Praise God. Are you following what I'm saying? Take out words of unbelief from your house. Take it out. We have lived this way. I asked my wife permission to share this testimony. When we got married in the first early days of our life, things were tough. There was no money coming in. Her salary was just 4500 maybe 2007 then. She was teaching in the primary school. And literally, we had to call food in to the house. She would go to the kitchen. In the name of Jesus, we receive plantain. In the name of Jesus, we, you, we have to be specific. We didn't have the luxury that our faith will not work. And oh boy, I tell you, that faith produced. Because, <laughs> you can't go and meet someone and say, God has called me to ministry, but I don't have food. They are not the ones that called you. Do you know, no one has the responsibility to support you in ministry. Except the Lord speaks to them about that. Your vision is not people's problem. Hello? I said your God-given vision is not people's problem. Ah, sir, I want to open a business. I don't have money. It's not my problem. It's yours. I didn't send you to open. You are the one that wants to open. Can I support you? Absolutely yes. But if I don't support you, I haven't done anything wrong. But you are my man of God. We are all children of God. You, myself, we are all children of God. Learn to live this way. You know, if you start living this way, you know what is going to happen to you? You would always want to get back to the word. You would always want to get back to the word. So every person has the God kind of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the faith that comes to you is the gift of God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 But without faith it is impossible to please him For he that cometh to God must believe that he is And is a reward of them that diligently seek him I, I share this testimony with you Those early days also uh, Those particular Christmas time just Getting close to December We didn't have anything in the house There was no rice, there was nothing So we've been believing the Lord Just calling forth things and all that And this testimony is very funny Because my wife, where she was teaching there was maybe 4,005. So she had applied to another school. That day, we finished praying. We just had, maybe we just had food for, we just had only carries there. So we just gave, uh, we just gave the, the carries food and we were just that, that way. Of course, the way I have 
train myself, I will never call my father. I will never try. Never call him and say there's no food. I will never try that. Because in the first place, he didn't want me to go full time. He wanted me to work for a while, but I wasn't convinced that's what God was asking me to do. So technically, I was on my own, even though I was serving for him. And then, uh, they just called my wife that she should come to the school for an interview. This is, I mean, this is one of the most incredible, miraculous testimonies we've experienced in our life. So she got to the school, and uh, they were doing end of year. It was December, they had closed. So they just wanted to interview her for the next uh, term, resuming January. So they distributed rice, tomatoes, and all those things to the teachers of the school. So she was outside while they were having the end of year meeting and all that. So after waiting for like one hour, the lady called her and said, Oh, uh, Mr. Gaga, what? Okay, let me just interview you quickly. So interview, say, Ah, but you have been waiting since when we distributed all these things. Okay, just come and take your own. And they gave her a portion of what went to every teacher. And she got back home. When she got home, I said, Even if you don't get the job, I believe that this is the reason they called you. That's what faith will do. Praise God. That's what faith will do. Faith will make a way where there seems to be no way. Your faith will pave a way for you. Your faith can move somebody all the way from Australia to be of a blessing to you. Your faith can move somebody all the way that you don't know who is not related to you. He takes up your cause as his curse because faith in God will create possibilities. Have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. The faith life is an interesting life. You live independent of man. You're not under the dominion of man. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. So we have the God kind of faith. Everyone say I have the God kind of faith. Say one more time. Say I have the God kind of faith. Oh, say it one more time. Say I have the faith of God. Praise God. You learn to say that to yourself all the time. Train your children to make confessions. Train them. Train your wife. If she, if your wife says something wrong, correct her. Don't say, leave me. That's how I talk. No. That's why we are changing the way you talk. Stop talking that way. It can be painful. Even myself and my wife, when, when we and I say something out of faith, and she's trying to correct me, sometimes you want to technically say, well, I don't really mean it. Just agree that you've spoken words that you shouldn't say. And say, in the name of Jesus, I repent of that. It can hurt. Because there you just discover that your, your vocabulary is full of faithless words. Praise God. Oh, this child will not kill me. What's that? What's the meaning of that? You know the child's father is not behaving properly. But you keep saying you are like your father. Ah, you are just like your father's people. And you know the father's people. They are, not, they are good, but not very good. And you keep saying it. Ah, you are like your father's people. 20 years down the line, the boy's life starts turning that way. You know what you are going to say? I said it. You should have said something else. Instead of waiting for your foolish confessions to come to pass, you can use that time to say, hey, come on. You are like God's child. You are going to live a good life. You are going to have a good marriage. You are going to work blessed. So that 20 years down the line, you can say, well, I said it. The funny thing about this law of faith is that you will have whatsoever you say. The Bible did not tell you what to say. Whatever you choose to say, in the midst of impossible situations, you can see possibilities. That's what, what the God kind of faith does. Praise God. It's one of the reasons, personally, I'm not, I don't like anything ethnicity. I don't, I mean, 
from my heart anything ethnic. I don't like it. Because it's very limiting. You see people who are born again take on, I mean, they are like defenders of culture. I'm a believer. But you know, in Yoruba land, this is how we do. I mean, that one supersedes whatever the scripture says. If you hear them say, I'm, I'm a Bini man. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not. You're not. You're not. You're God's man. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. God's word rules you. Every tradition that does not line up with the word of God, we don't associate with it. God's word is final authority in our lives. Praise God. God's word teaches us to honor our wives. And we do that. Why? Because we have moved from our ethnic belief. We've gotten into the word of God. Praise the name of the Lord. What gives us faith is the integrity of God's word. The word lived and practiced until it becomes part of us. It says, Whosoever shall say to this mountain. Who is the whosoever is referring to there? That's very important. Acts 2.21. I want to run quickly. Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Please note that Jesus was addressing his disciples. Jesus wasn't teaching faith to anybody out there. He was addressing his disciples. Okay? So whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to just talk about words for a moment and then I can wrap up. And next Sunday we'll continue from verse 23. Words, 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 words. Faith words create our realities. Faith words create our realities. I might bring the pictures on Sunday, but if you go home, just go. Um, there's a, a three minutes video on YouTube. I'd like you to watch it. There's a guy by the name of Dr. Masuru Emoto, E M O T O. He performed in 1990, in the 1990s, he performed an experiment. This is very important. He spoke words to water, and after a while, they took the, 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 the pictures of the molecular structure of the water. When he spoke positive words, the structures were properly arranged. When he spoke negative words, the structures were scattered. It was, I mean, it was a life experiment. You can just, I'll bring the pictures on Sunday, but you can go online and just Google it and watch the video. I watched it this morning. It was amazing. I have seen people practically perform that experiment with um, plants. If you have enough time, try it out. Jeremy Pearson, the grandson of Kenneth Copeland, uh, they run their own ministry now. Um, the, the, the mother, Copeland's daughter, had to make him perform this experiment to teach him just the power of words. They had two plants planted. If you have time and if you have patience, <laughs> you can do it. On one plant, you speak negative words. You curse the plant literally. On the other plant, you speak positive words. And give them time. Put them in the same conditions. They'll grow differently. I read up to three, four, five experiments that, you know, collaborate this. Words have effect. If I come here and I just say, well, good morning, stupid people of God. <laughs> What's going to happen? Now you're laughing because you know I'm joking. But if I was very serious, you pause a bit. So, well, thank you for coming. And I say all kinds of very negative and foolish words. What's going to happen? When you go back home, you're going to be like, what's wrong with pastor? You know, they say when somebody's getting mad, it starts gradually. Let's try next Sunday again. 
and I repeat the same thing next Sunday, then people are going to call. Pastor, we want to see you. Do you understand? But if I come and I'm vibrant and I'm, you know, I give you words of love, the atmosphere is going to change. If you go to a house where the husband and the wife just quarreled, you would know, even, they are, even though they are pretending to smile, there will be something about the atmosphere that doesn't sit. Their smile will not fit the atmosphere. You just know that somebody is waiting for you to leave and a bomb is going to be released. I mean, if you just leave and come back immediately, you might find both of them fighting. But if you go to a home where there's peace, where there's love, where there's joy, you just feel it. Maintain an environment around your house. You know, some people thrive on quarrels. That's how they live. If there's no quarrel for a long while, they just think that something is not right. So what's the problem? Say, don't tell me when I fight. <laughs> just like, no, 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 no. Something needs to, something needs to go wrong. Because that's when the master says, do you know who I am? No, that's the one we are trying to change. That's not who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The love of God is in your heart. Praise God. Praise God. Let's look at words. Luke 6.45. And we can stop there. Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45. A good man. I'm reading the NIV version. I want to read uh, the NIV version. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Hmm. The New Living Translation says, What you say flows from what is in your heart. The English Standard Version says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does that tell us? That faith does not start with speaking. Faith starts with words. Putting God's word in your heart. So for instance, you have a faith conference. We have a powerful meeting. The word of God has been taught. You're inspired by God. And you know what happens? You begin to run and just make confessions. There's nothing wrong with that. After the next one month, you undo all of those confessions. You know why? Because you're speaking from your heart. So the first step in getting faith is you go and settle down with the word of God. Once the word of God fills your heart, I tell you something, automatically it will come out of your mouth. It will come out of your mouth. You have to get God's word in your heart. And before you know, unconsciously, you just say words. The first step of faith is your relationship with God. That's where faith grows from. I've seen people, I will talk about this. I've seen people believe God for things. You know, somebody just say, <laughs> I remember a minister was saying, um, a guy heard this message and just came to, to him and says, well, I'm believing God to buy this more. And the man of God said, no way. Is it that God can't do it? Yeah, he can. But you haven't grown your faith to that level yet. You need to start growing your faith gradually. See, I'll tell you the truth. This is how we have lived. When we came into town, we came in absolutely nothing. We wrote down everything we need in the house. Everything we need. We wrote it down. Myself and my wife, we prayed about it. And we just let it be. We weren't going every day to check the list. Which one has God brought? No, we weren't, going, we weren't doing that. We just knew it would be done. Maybe about a year or two later, we were cleaning our house and we saw the list. And you know what? Every single thing on that list we had in the house. 
How many of you have had that experience? You wrote something down and you say, oh, I'm, I want to do this. And you, you look back many years, you found the paper and discover that what you wrote down, you have done it. How many of you have had that experience? Do you know why that came to pass? There was no anxiety on that thing. Sometimes it's even good, you believe for something, cast your care on the Lord and let it be. Because most times, as you keep looking at that thing, it gives you a message. That's why it's good to believe God for things you will need in the future. You start believing for them now. The problem with most of us is that we have emergency fits. Right? You know, how many of you know you're going to pay your children's school fees in January? You don't know. Okay, I'm telling you now that in January you will pay school fees. So do you know now? How many of you know you're going to pay school fees in January? Fine. So from today, as you go home, start believing for that school fees. You have one month to work your faith. It's not January 23rd. And it says school is January. They are driving children. January 26th. January 23rd. I believe I receive. I believe I. They will drive you and the children back. Oh, God can do all things. He can. But God can do all things. It's not an excuse for your lack of plans and lack of wisdom. Sometimes the way God answers your prayers of faith is to give you wisdom for that situation. So you're praying, Lord, I need to get school fees for my kids. I need to get this. I need to pay my rent. I need to buy this. We need to have this car. We need to finish this house. And God starts speaking to you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. And I'll teach you to make profit. So God says, pull that from here. Pull this, pull this, and pull that. One of my greatest examples of faith is the man Kenneth Hagin. You know what happened? The Lord spoke to him and says, an economic recession is going to come upon America. You have to lay off some staff. Lay off this stuff, cut down on certain things, and do your ministry this way. And he survived the recession. Sometimes, the way faith works is that God will say, move to one room apartment. And your faith has produced mightily. Don't think anytime you are in faith, God will say, to really show that I'm God, move to a duplex. No, sometimes the Lord will say, cut down. When we were doing this building project, I was praying, and the Lord said, shut down every program. We didn't have any program. Just focus on, that's faith. So faith is not just saying, Lord, I need this. And the Lord hands it over to you. Sometimes the Lord says, hey guy, cut down. Do this. Do here. You know, just wisdom can be an answer to your faith. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's just give the Lord thanks. Express his holy name. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, we praise your holy name, Jesus. Have things we're trusting God for for this year and the year to come. Can we just all just be in agreement right now? Come on, can we just be in agreement right now? Can we be in agreement right now for needs to be met in the name of Jesus? Amen. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.